Welcome to a special Friday edition of Beyond Autistic Burnout. Today, we have a guest joining us who I absolutely adore, Rachel Rowe from Byron Bay, Australia. Rachel's journey is a testament to the power of self-discovery as she received her autism diagnosis at 47 and her ADHD diagnosis at 49, leading her on a path of transformative advocacy. Not only is Rachel a highly motivated social impact entrepreneur and neurodiversity advocate, but she's also the founder of Autism Camp Australia and the visionary behind the Autism and Neurodiversity Masterclass. This remarkable course is changing the lives of autistic individuals by providing comprehensive education from the world's leading autism and neurodiversity educators, all based on a foundation of lived experience and neuro-affirming principles. In today's special episode, we'll be diving into Rachel's late identified journey, exploring her passion for driving life-changing outcomes for autistic individuals, and taking an exclusive look inside the masterclass. We'll discuss the driving force behind this initiative, its worldwide team of contributors, and the hope it holds for those who engage with it. So stay with us as we navigate this engaging conversation with Rachel Rowe and share insights into the Autism and Neurodiversity Masterclass. It's a special episode you are going to love. Welcome to Beyond Autistic Burnout, the talk show designed to empower ADHD autistic professionals like you to thrive in your career, life, and beyond. I'm Carol Jean Whittington, an ADHD autistic business professional who's not just surviving, but thriving after decades in burnout. And I'm thrilled to have you here with us. Each episode, I'll be joined by an inspiring guest as we dive deep into transformative strategies and insights. We'll show you how to break free from burnout, ignite sustainable energy, and embrace your authentic self. Together, we'll navigate career challenges, nurture relationships, and excel in every aspect of life. It's time to fuel your success and embark on a journey of empowerment. Let's take this incredible journey together. Get ready to be an authentic leader and unleash sustainable energy in your life. Welcome to Beyond Autistic Burnout. Let's start thriving. So before we welcome Rachel to the show, I want to play a video that is a great overview of the Autism and Neurodiversity Masterclass. Take a listen. The Autism and Neurodiversity Masterclass is the definitive education package. Authentically Autistic, our 14 module self-paced online program enables you to learn directly from 28 of the world's leading neurodivergent educators, advocates, researchers, thought leaders, and concept originators. Our dream is to make the masterclass available to millions of people around the globe and facilitate a lens change around autism, radically improving autistic people's lives. Why? Because we are passionate about driving life-changing outcomes for autistic people. So what are you waiting for? AutismMasterclass.com Oh man, I don't know about you guys, but I am so excited for this masterclass and I'm especially excited for our guest today. Joining us is a remarkable individual who has dedicated her life to making a meaningful impact in the world of neurodiversity and advocacy, Rachel Rowe. She hails from the picturesque shores of Byron Bay, Australia, through her journey began in the United Kingdom. Rachel's story is so very relatable and powerful. 
It wasn't until the age of 47 that she received her autism diagnosis and at 49, her ADHD diagnosis. This life-altering moment ignited a passion journey toward change and empowerment. As a highly motivated social impact entrepreneur, Rachel is a creative leader who works tirelessly to drive transformative outcomes for autistic individuals, focusing on areas like mental health, employability, economic participation, and education. Her dedication extends to bring to bridging the gap between autistic young people, their families, and the wider community, fostering balanced and respectful relationships. Rachel is not just an advocate. She's a role model and a leader in the field of neurodiversity. She's a mother of two wonderful daughters, one autistic and one holistic, and the founder of two influential initiatives, Autism Camp Australia and the Autism and Neurodiversity Masterclass. It's a privilege to have Rachel Rowe with us today, sharing her incredible insights and experiences. Welcome to the show, Rachel. I am so, so excited to have you here today. Well, hello there. Gosh, that's a, that's a very big lead in. I hope I can live up to <laughs> Well, let me just go ahead and take the stress off. You've already not only lived up to it, you have exceeded it, my friend. You are spectacular. <laughs> well, I'm in, in good company. <laughs> oh, well, in this just a love fest today. <laughs> I love you. Oh, man. Rachel, I would just love for you to share with everybody sort of your late identification journey. You know, how did you come to the awareness of your neurotype? That's usually such a big conversation we have. It's like, all of a sudden, you know, this is sort of the experience that we had. What, what was yours? Yeah, well, I mean, I guess like many late diagnosed adults through my child and, and through her diagnosis, uh, my eldest daughter was diagnosed at the age of eight. And um, uh, without knowing it, I um, a sort of uh, a, a very special interest deep dove into uh, uh, learning around autism and neurodiversity and um and i guess and then reached out to people within the community as you, you just really don't know what you're doing you know you don't know what it's just really unclear what you do there's a sense of relief when you when your child gets that diagnosis but there's a really very few kind of signposts if you like as to where to go next and and i think through reaching out in the community and doing all of that research and learning it's sort of like i slowly started putting the pieces of, uh, of, of, of the picture together. And uh, it became pretty clear that something that had become very normalized within my family, my late father, uh, who never uh, never knew he was autistic, for sure was autistic. Um, and there are other family members now that I can, I can see. Um, so, you know, it was normalized within our family to some degree. Uh, you know, everybody always joked about um, my dad having Margsitis, it was called, which was um, um, that he was very antisocial when my mum's sister and my cousins would come and stay, that he would, and, and that after a certain period of time, he couldn't cope with the noise and everybody there and, and the, the change that was going on. And he also, I was just thinking, in the car as I was driving back to to do this with you how mum always used to refer to my father was a very early pioneer working in computer software and mum always used to refer to the computer as his second wife and but he, he spent hours just um you know up on his own kind of just like deep diving into so yeah so I kind of came to it through yeah through my daughter um really uh, initially the autism diagnosis and then 
Um, and at that stage, it was just her autism diagnosis, uh, no, uh, uh, diagnosis. And, um, and then subsequently through the work we, we were doing with Autism Camp Australia, we both ended up coming to our ADHD diagnoses as well. So, yeah. It's, it's such a, a relatable story. And, I, you know, I speak to so many moms that, that that has been, you know, it was the process of going through that with our children. And as my first friend Christine says, you know, did your aunt Dar go off, Carol G? <laughs> did, you, did you find your folks and did you see this? And I'm like, yes. Well, I think it's funny as you look back, I was over in the UK last year and met up with one of my oldest friends who was one of my flatmates when I was in uni. And it was just like we were talking about a number of things, hadn't seen her for three or four years, and I just was like, oh, my God, like <laughs> so autistic. How did I not see that? You know, and you start to see. So I think you find, you know, like I think without knowing it, we have, we find our, uh, well, hopefully we're lucky enough um, to, to to find our people. Uh, you find find people who who think in a, in a similar way to you, and you and 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 I think often those are people who have that same neurotype as you. So uh, so many of us um, without knowing, and it's quite funny at camps, which I I, I know we'll talk about it, for Autism Camp Australia. You know, we we're we're working with the whole family there but it is the 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 child the autistic child who is at the center of of the services that uh, we're providing but we know now from major international studies that autism is roughly 80 percent genetic and so we are aware that at least one of the parents with each child whether they know it or not is probably autistic as well so there's a lot of kind of this knowing or this not knowing and then eventually this sort of more formal knowing of who you are and, and what your neurology is yeah so rachel how did sort of that concrete knowing late in life how did that sort of transform how you see yourself and how you saw your life up to that point for you what was that experience for you it's what i call the processing phase <laughs> yes the processing phase i mean i think there's a very clear processing journey that happens both in the diagnosis of your child and in your self-diagnosis and i think there's quite a lot of similarities between both of those journeys um but i mean in, in terms of my my experience as a late diagnosed adult i'm initially there there is um you know relief <laughs> Uh, because you actually understand and I think as very kind of like um, logical black and white thinkers that we are like actually having something tangible to hang on to okay that is what it is and um, there's great relief in that and um, and then I think that you know and, and one of those beautiful things that happened to me I had joined a couple of um, Facebook groups for autistic mums and, and uh, on the day that I received my formal diagnosis I was welcomed home to my community by the I get goosebumps just saying it it was um, a real sense of oh okay now I can be with my people these are my people this is what's going on um, and then so yes and then I think then you start to pull apart and on various different levels your your past and I think there is a, a grieving process that happens I grieved for the, the child for the young adult and um and for the misunderstandings and miscommunication 
And then I think you start to unpack. I mean, I subsequently went on to receive an ADHD diagnosis. For sure, I'm PDA. You know, I remember having conversations even just last year with close friends when it was put to me that I might be gifted too. And I was like, really? <laughs> and then talking to a couple of people and then going, this person's told me that they think I might be gifted. And this one particular friend who's known me a very long time just about wetting her pants one falling all over the floor laughing and that I hadn't seen that more recently I'm not hardly looking at you at all I don't think of myself as someone who doesn't meet eye contact but literally last week somebody said to me you don't meet eye contact very much and I was blown away by that I hadn't seen it at all but I spend a lot of time looking away things that you just don't realize or say oh, that just blew me away that I hadn't I don't know um and so then I think you know you 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 go through the, yeah you go through the 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 relief the grieving and then you have a choice really and you and I think this is the same with when you get the diagnosis for your child some people who are loosely referred to as the autism moms um, get stuck in that poor me grieving stage and find it hard to move past it and 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 it stays being about them um, in the same way with your own diagnosis you can get stuck in that 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 poor me grieving hard done by place and um but hopefully what happens and it's quite beautiful to watch people as they do move into uh the next stage then there's you know you move into what i have moved into a space of celebration and ownership and then advocacy uh, and again as a parent I've done, done the same thing um, and um, and feel very strongly that you know that there is change that needs to happen and that the only way that's going to happen is if we make it happen which is where you know this extraordinary ground swell that we see happening around us at the moment comes from is from um, I think that that that's that's huge number of adults coming to late diagnosis through their children and going this is enough okay that's what's going on we need to change this we need it to be better for them yeah oh definitely and as you were talking i'm just oh it was i was <laughs> as my friend simon nichols said <laughs> a couple of episodes ago we were i was whiz popping over here my brain was just lighting up so much you know that's that's one of the things that i find so interesting for myself in particular, and, and as, as I have more and more conversations across the community, it, it's such um, a shared experience in the, the unveiling and the unlayering of all of the things. Once we, it's like the linchpin. We, we find this one part of ourselves. And then as we dive in and, and begin to experience and sort of go, well, what does it mean to me to be an autistic person? You know, how does that show up in my life? And then we start to see, you know, oh, auditory processing delay. Oh, giftedness, yeah. uh, you know, dyslexia, all of the things. And it's like, how did I miss this? How did pe other people miss this? And it's just, yeah. yeah, it's like all the pieces start to come together. And it's all of these beautiful layers of us that start to answer some of the questions that we've had. And Rachel, and I, think I would there's love also that, um, sorry, I, I think there's also that sort of, unpacking of the relationships between those different parts of you as well you know like I'm doing a fair bit of work at the moment but on a personal level around unpacking um which parts of me are actually 
related to complex PTSD associated with that late diagnosis. And actually some of those parts that I've been observing over the last three, four years are actually more about that than they are about the autism and the ADHD um, or the giftedness, you know. Uh, so so I, I feel like what at the, at the, I'm still, um, and I, I, I don't know if this will be part of a lifelong journey or whether there will be a point where I get to a point where, okay, no, that's it, that's enough, I'm packing, I'm going to put it all back together again. And and um, and I, I think that I, there probably will be a point that I get to in the next couple of years with that. But at the moment, I feel like I'm still um, un, unpack four or five years in unpacking all of that. And I think because there's so many advances and changes and in the knowledge and understanding and research that's going on in the autism field and, and this very, as I say, exciting groundswell about knowledge and understanding and sharing and improving um, the way we are treated, that, that, that there's just this constant change going on. Yeah. Oh, it most definitely is. And I love that that we get to be a part of how everything is changing. So as you founded and you founding Autism Camp Australia, and then this wonderful Autism and Neurodiversity Masterclass, it is truly a remarkable achievement. And could you tell us about the driving force behind these two initiatives? What was What was the seed and the spark for these two beautiful projects? I mean, the first one was very personal. As I sort of said, there was so little information out. I didn't know how to, not to do when, you know, when my daughter was diagnosed, above and beyond having been given a number for a paediatric psychiatrist uh, and a couple of allied health professionals that we could get on a waiting list with. I had no idea where to go looking for information. There was a lot of very misleading and mixed and confusing information out there. And a couple of other families seemed to be the people that I was getting the information that I needed from the most. And so I actually started by setting up an informal, I put it out with another friend with an autistic child. We put it out to the schools in the local area. Was there anybody who had children with, but that's a stage we were using very uh, ignorant language, um, but you know, any children with 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 special needs, any children, um, uh, any parents who who would like to get together in the in the pub in Mullumbimby once a month, uh, um, and and share stories and 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 come together, and it was the start of the um, of of an understanding of the need for autistic community. Uh, and um, and yes, we had like people, yes, 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 yes. And before we knew it, there was a group of people meeting up once a month and sharing stories. It felt like a safe space where you could actually talk about what was happening in your life um, with your child. And um, remembering at this stage, I was not diagnosed and, um, and at this stage, not even aware of my own diagnoses. And, um, so it was really about, oh my God, my child does this. Does your child? Oh God, okay. Oh, thank goodness. Somebody else's child does this. That's okay. Okay. That sort of, um, safe space. There was this real sense of needing to be in a safe space where you could talk frankly and openly about your experiences without judgment. There was so much judgment. Um, and it didn't feel like a lot of places were safe. Um, and that people just didn't understand your experience. There was very little compassion and very little understanding for the different that you were experiencing, lots of bad parenting, judging, that sort of thing. And I guess off the back of that, really, it just became so clear that autistic community was so important that I just went, well, yeah, and we need to expand that. And the idea of the camp, of having a camp, a space that was, and it literally, it was a, it was a dedicated autistic community. It was a, a it was a highly um, uh, I guess tailored as in the environment was set up with 
autism in mind and there was you know like it, it was a safe space and where families could come together and uh, in that space we could focus on really truly building capacity rather than building capacity um, to um, help families, autistic young people and their families um, get into mainstream social and community participation. It was like there was this critical stepping stone that was missing and there was a lot of isolation, a lot of social isolation um, going on and that if we if we created this space then we knew that that would help um, people to to actually um, get to true inclusion, you know, like really would give people the skills and the confidence and the sense of be well-being um, and mental health outcomes and 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 all of that support to enable them to then thrive in you know in that in that world that we navigate every day that is filled with neuronormative expectations and is challenging for most of us to and exhausting for most of us to navigate and so that's where the camp idea came from and we researched we put our ideas out to the autistic community here in australia we had over 700 um, questionnaires returned to us and the you know it was re it was resoundingly yes that's what yes yes please um, and so I formed my first board of directors and registered the charity and we started and um, in November 2019 we launched and immediately sold out three months worth of camps and um, and we're just blown away by the response that we got from people. We ran our first camp in the January of 2020 and then COVID hit and everything stopped and um, it was um, a great opportunity for us to like really look at what happened at the first camp which had been huge success for us to seek some further funding and um, from grants and such like to um, to enable us to, to 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 go go for it and then in the September we opened again and so there was only that very first um, short period at the start of the pandemic that we we weren't actually um, live and running camps. We ran camps through the rest of the, the entire pandemic. We, we ran camps when many providers didn't and we moved from one state into a second state, into a third state and in July, we opened our fourth state here in Australia. So we're now supporting thousands of autistic young people and their families at camps, at over 40 camps um, around Australia every year. So um, definitely, you know, autistic community, trying to find and build autistic community was absolutely at the heart of, of my personal, um, I guess, mission uh, to, 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 to start the charity. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. And any of you guys that have been here for a hot minute, you know, one of the things that, that I talk about in our global research project into spicy burnout what are one of the top three unmet needs that contribute to burnout for us? And that is belonging. And that it's such a beautiful thing that that, that particular need is something that you have such a heart focus on, Rachel, and all of the belonging in the safe space of belonging, those brave spaces that you've created. Oh, they're just spectacular. So how did the Autism and Neurodiversity Masterclass begin to take shape from this wonderful Autism Camp Australia Foundation that you've started? 
Well, I think there were a number of reasons why. I mean, at the very, very first camp, we had a family where the, the father in the family worked for a major international corporate, and we talked about um, a volunteer program, having some of the employees from that major corporate come and volunteer at the camps. And I was very committed that we would not have corporate volunteers come and goldfish bowl our families, that they needed to go through some kind of basic education program in order for us to feel comfortable having them to come and volunteer. And there were many outcomes um, that we could achieve by having, and there, still, there will be many outcomes that we can achieve by having corporate volunteers come to our camps. Uh, we got very much a, a what, what I call a cradle to grave vision for supporting autistic young people from early childhood through to um, potentially placing uh, them in autism friendly workplaces, uh, our, our, our workplace at, at the camps and, and uh, with other corporate um, partners. Mm -hmm. um, so, so that sort of conversation literally started at the first camp. As we moved through that, we then went, okay, you know, we only employ each child, each autistic young person who comes to our camps, it works one on one with a disability support worker, but they're not just a broad disability support worker, they're a, they're a support worker who has very specialized niche knowledge around autism. Um, and, you know, the, the, the bigger we, we were getting, the more we realized that we were drawing the best of the best out of the community and we needed to make sure that we had um, uh, we, if we built some professional development resources, then we, we would be able to um, ensure that the quality of the service that we were offering remained the same. But ultimately, what we saw was this, this opportunity to take what we were learning and what we were seeing happen so successfully at camp and to try and get it out there to more and more people and for anyone who who ends up taking the masterclass you'll hear a little intro video that I that I make in it and and we you know we firmly believe that we will um um, bring the camps to uh, the UK and to the US and around the world. Uh, there are, you know, like very exciting plans ahead, ahead for us. Um, but that takes time. It's a massive logistical um, job to, to, to run these enormous camps. There's about a six to nine month build in for each new location at the moment. And so in, in, in our, um, uh, we wanted to do something in the meantime that would enable us to get that information and that kind of community and that lived experience and that knowledge um, out into the world. And there's a need, there's a need for current and regularly updated neuroaffirming, autistic created, very importantly, because there's a lot out there that isn't, autistically created content which educates users about autism and neurodiversity and the neurodivergent experience in a way which is accessible and engaging and enjoyable and productive and well designed. And I think sort of traditionally the disability space, the autism space is you know, not, not the most design-led pretty space. And we wanted to put something out there that was like pleasant to not just pleasant but really engaging um so to look at we knew we had some skills to be able to do that um and we also know that but as an organization and with the people we were able to pull in to be involved in the project between us we have the know-how the team to be a world leader in um the standard of written visual video and and design and content presented on this topic so we thought, well, let's do it. Let's do it. And so the masterclass was born. Yeah. And I will fully and personally attest to the beauty, the visual beauty and the engagement that has gone into 
this masterclass, the level of attention, the diversity, the inclusion that has been so very carefully curated in this is just spectacular, Rachel. I mean, oh my goodness, really and truly just you have done such a wonderful job. And, and that truly is such a reflection because your team is just as spectacular. Um, I mean, I just, Abby's fantastic. There's so many wonderful people that, that I've had the pleasure of connecting with. And guys, what I'm telling you is that what has been created and not just created, but the leadership that has gone into this and the heart is truly, truly something to be very, very proud of as a community. And, and Rachel, I want to personally say thank you for all of the work and all of the heart and everything that you and your team has put into creating this and this beautiful birthing of this masterclass that is out in the world. And, you know, I know that you have contributors for various corners of the globe, including Australia, the United Kingdom, the United States, at all different stages of their neurodiversity journeys. How in the world did you assemble such a broad and diverse team? How did this come together with so many wonderful people? <laughs> well, I think at this, I mean, and it's worth pointing out that beyond the what the 28, what we refer to as our 28 rock stars, the, the folk like yourself who are filmed, um, and take part in each of the, the 14 modules of content. There's also a whole other core team and filmmakers and, and designers. And um, I, it was very important to us, sorry, my phone is beeping, um, that every member of that team was neurodivergent, not just the faces, and, uh, but every member of that team. And so the masterclass is, is researched, written, designed, illustrated, filmed, and presented by neurodivergent folks. So firstly, that was what was the was in the tick box that had to be there before we before we even worked down into uh, the other areas. Um, I had taken part in a podcast in the UK um, the year before and and during conversations with the the other people who were involved in in that podcast. Um, it was it sort of was really interesting to 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 get their take on where they thought the the knowledge and the research and the standing of the and the progress of the autistic led community in Australia was perceived in terms of its relationship with the UK and Australia there was this very clear sort of triangle between the three continents and where Australia is often i guess a, a kind of like slightly tongue-in-cheek you know cousin off in the in the in in the distance somewhere uh, there was a real sense that actually Australia was leading the way and in 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 many areas of of the advancement I guess and um of of um advocacy research and 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 um education around autism um from the conversations I had around this podcast in the UK and having come from the UK myself originally I also had got that sense from over there and then by sort of speaking Speaking with other colleagues and friends in the US, there was this sense, okay, I think that what this needs to be is just needs to be people who are re representing from these three different, uh, very different parts of the globe. Uh, I hope at some stage we'll expand beyond that into other countries and other areas. We've had 
um, interest from people who would like to be involved from other countries. We have sold the masterclass in the first week in 12 countries outside of those, um, those three main US, UK, Australia already. Um, but for, it felt like there was this very strong triangle of, of support there between the three. And then I guess in terms of the, and so we then had to find our autistic filmmakers or our neurodivergent filmmakers um, in each of those continents and in different places around those very large, Australia and, a, and the US being very large continents. Um, and uh, and then we had to build our team here uh, and uh, our writer, our lead writer, uh, Sunny Jane Wise, and then bring in our intersectional writers. Uh, then I had a, a consultant come in on the filmmaking and we, we worked up how that would work. And, um, and, and then from there, once we had started to map out the actual content of the 14 modules, it was then looking to, okay, well, who do we wanna bring in to talk about some of these key areas? Who are our leaders? our thought leaders, our concept originators, our educators, our advocates who are specifically working in these um, fields, you know, specialists like Dr. Emily Casanova talking about, you know, the bendy genes and, and some of the incredible research that she's doing um, uh, around some of the comorbidities um, that are very closely associated with autism. Or, um, you know, Dr. Nick Walker in California talking about um, neuroqueer, uh, extraordinary, you know, people who've, who've worked tirelessly for decades, like Wen Lawson here in, in Australia, uh, responsible um, for um, a lot of the work research and development of, of, of concepts around monotropism, for example. So we, we look to um, sort of specialists and not, you know, there are some some advocates, some very public advocates in there, but there are people who, are, there are researchers, there are doctors, there are educators, there are, I say, thought leaders, um, and um, concept originators, there is a mix of people, um, some who are very well known and some who are lesser known, but are all who have contributed in some way to the, um, the, the span of information that we've included in the masterclass. And it, it just appeared like there, was, there didn't seem to be one course internationally, and I'm happy to be corrected if there is, but um, that didn't appear to be one course internationally which provided such a comprehensive resource for so many different, so many different people. So covering quite a quite a detailed range of information and content through from you know bigger picture ideas around neurodiversity to to all the way at the other end of the workplace, and, and obviously we can't deep, deep, deep dive into each of those things. But there's a great deal of information in there that is um, a lot of value to a lot of different people. And we have a lot of very different audiences that are looking at it. It's fascinating. I, I love that. And I, I love the topics. So can you kind of share with everybody some of just the highlights of those 14 modules? What are some of the topics? What are people going to be learning about and experiencing throughout this process. I know you've highlighted a couple of those there. What are a few more, Rachel? Sure, okay, so I mean, we start by really looking broadly at neurodiversity and the diversity of human minds, the history of neurodiversity, 
just really mapping out and getting clear about definitions. Definitions are often used uh, in the wrong way. We talk around the difference between the, the, the medical, the old medical model of disability and the social model of disability. Um, some of the advantages of different neurodivergent thinking styles. Um, you know, we look at the, 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 the autism spectrum, um, spiky profiles and color wheels, PDA, the overlap of autism and ADHD and some of the um, the hidden disabilities um, and, and barriers to perception around autism. Um, we look at why words matter and how to get it right, why language matters. We look at ableism, discrimination, reframing our language, unconscious bias, presuming competence for people with disability and how to, to, to build empowering narratives, um, cross-neurotype communication and bi-directional communication responsibility. So how as you know, autistics and, and non-autistics or holistics, we, 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 we stop doing this and we are able to, to, to navigate those differences. We really deep dive into um, some of the behaviors and triggers and communication differences that happen. Um, communication differences, social differences, um, and explain what's going on when a, like a, a, a meltdown is happening. What's the difference between a tantrum and a meltdown? They're not the same thing. Well, why aren't they the same thing? What's stimming? How to respect autonomy? Really just giving lots of information, I guess, there really around what's actually going on when you see some behaviours, you know, the, the, uh, what is behind the behaviour, really, uh, so that people are less afraid, I think. And then we look at the senses. We go through, you know, the, 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 the seven senses that we're all, five senses that we're all so familiar with, and then a couple that some people know about, the gustatory and vestibular systems, but then we go into some other areas that are less familiar, like interception, proprioception, aphantasia, hyperphantasia. Um, and then we really deep dive into executive functioning, which is um, the hidden um, parts, I guess, of, of, of autism, the bits that people can't see and don't understand and are very hard, harder for people to understand. So the difference around, say, our working memory, cognitive flexibility, task initiation, that sort of thing. Then we then we start to look at what happens when autistic people aren't able to be themselves um, and what are the fallouts of that? I sort of was talking before about complex PTSD and trauma, but, you know, we look at um, burnout, eating disorders, mental health, suicidal ideation. Why is that happening? How do we avoid those things happening? Um, intersectionality, really important that not just the global autistic community, but that all of our intersectional communities within that are represented. And you will see a very broad range of presenters and information presented through the masterclass. Mm. Um, so in, in, in our intersectional communities, we're looking specifically and particularly at um, gender, uh, so autism and girls, uh, and, and, and you know, the, the very late diagnosis um, that has only really started to happen in the last decade or so for women and girls, um, neuroqueer and autigender uh, and giftedness and then autism and race. Uh, and then we break down a whole heap of those shocking myths and misconceptions out there. Um, and we talk about what real inclusion looks like. We look to the disability acts in the US, the UK and Australia and the history of that and what inclusion actually looks like. Then we talk about autistic community and the value of that. That's where one of my interviews is, um, as, as, as I've spoken about, community being such an important part of, um, of, of, of what we, we need in order to feel safe and to feel held. Um, we've pulled together a, a support toolkit 
for people to try and understand some of the things that they can do to support and help um, the autistic people in their lives in whatever capacity, personally, professionally, in your family. Um, and then we touch on in the last module, neurodiversity in the workplace and some of the things that we need there. So it's a very um, comprehensive kind of life journey, I guess, through from, oh, what is this that I've just found out about to, to some practical ways to actually support in, in the family, in the workplace, in the school, and what real inclusion looks like. So um, what I hope and I believe that it gives a, a really broad um, and but, but really comprehensive overview. And what's been really interesting, because the course is not just targeted um, at uh, you know, newly diagnosed autistics and um, and their family members, for example, but it's it's actually um, targeted at a, 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 a huge range of of, of people, um, and so we're we're finding. I mean, I'm, I'm purposely so we've we've kept it in very um, plain English so that it is accessible to um, even sort of young teens, teens, sort of newly diagnosed teens and young adults, um, and obviously their parents, grandparents, family members. But we want teachers, we want allied health professionals, teachers, aides, educators, allied health professionals, you know, psychologists, speech pathologists, um, occupational therapists, um, health professionals, like, you know, my daughter's paediatric psychiatrist spent eight hours in the test group um, going through the course and um, was blown away by it and recommended it as an extraordinary piece of work to be giving to um, new, not just to newly diagnosed uh, young people and their families so that they get a really good overview of what's going on, um, but to every allied health profession, every teacher, uh, and then broader in professions, you know, anywhere where an, an autistic person is going to have to access services. So youth workers, social workers, counsellors, teachers, um, the courts, um, the metropolitan police, corporate and government services. It's, you know, it's been written in a way so it, it, the, the information can be disseminated and be useful to a, a huge, broad range of people. Yeah. It truly is. And what I love is that it isn't dry. It's very conversational. It's experiential. You know, there's wonderful information, but the way it's delivered it just, it feels good. It, it has this flow. It has this conversational feel to it, which I think is so beautiful. It's not talking at you, but it's it's sort of conversing with you throughout the entire program, which I found to be so enlightening and so, so enjoyable. And, you know, because so many times we think, oh gosh, there's all this information and how am I going to take it in? And you have done such a wonderful job in the way that this is presented. And it's just so well, I think, wonderful I think that's thing. where the the fact that it is written, researched, illustrated, um, filmed by neurodivergent folk is absolutely at the core of that. Because, you know, you can tell that it's been written by an autistic person or autistic people. Um, you know, when we did the interviews with the, the 28 of you, those are your stories they're your personal stories and I think the it's the message that comes through it over and over and over and over again is how important it is to listen to autistic voices everyone says it every part of it says it and I I hope that um particularly allied health and health professionals and teachers and and anyone who's working in services supporting autistic people will or anyone really, and parents too, will go away realizing how important it is to 
listen to autistic voices as we explain how it is for us, how it really is for us, not how someone thinks it is for us. Right. Exactly. And I know that the course content has been carefully designed for accessibility, making it an autism-friendly package. Could you explain some of the features and approaches that you've incorporated to ensure that the masterclass is welcoming and beneficial to a wide audience from newly diagnosed teenagers to experienced professionals? Yeah, I mean, we, again, we really wanted to focus on using a number of different mediums so that you know, and I was having a conversation with a psychologist just last night by email, a psychologist in New York who's dyslexic, um, who was struggling with some of the written text. And I said to her, and we were talking about ways that we can Im improve that by maybe adding audio to the written text. And there's lots of things that, like any new course, we can do to um, to improve on as we as we bring out further versions in the future. Um, but I was saying, you know, what one of the things that we focused on was that we wanted to have written content films, illustrations, animations, a variety of medium in a very autism friendly way. So very gentle colors and introduced gently and the way that things flow through the animations of the of the pages. Um, it's very gentle. Um, and so that even if you don't pick up all of it because one particular medium isn't your thing or isn't, whether it's just not your priority or it's something that's not so easy for you, there is a way for anyone to access the information. Um, but there, I mean, there are some key accessibility features there for sure, absolutely. So we, there, it's 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 um, screen reader friendly. So that you, and there are um, captions on all the films, and the illustrations and animations all have um, text in behind them as well. So um, there's some great accessibility features in there. And as I said, we're hoping to add to that shortly with voice to to text for all the written text as well. So, um, you know, we're finding that it's being really, really well received and, and really um, people are appreciating the time that we've taken to build in those accessibility features. Rachel, share with us how people can access, how can they purchase this incredible Autism and Neurodiversity Masterclass today? Well, they'll be glad to hear that we didn't use the autism and neurodiversity masterclass.com as our URL, which would have been a really fun one to try and type without a typo. Uh, so, yeah, you can find the masterclass at autismmasterclass.com. Uh, nice and simple. Uh, you can go in and have a look. There's some detailed pages there outlining in more detail than I've spoken about today the content of the modules and a little bit more information about the different audiences that it's for. Uh, you can get a real sense for how the, 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 the course feels. And, and then, yeah, it's available to, to drop into. We sell a 12-month uh, long access to the course. And um, I know you've got a special discount code that you'll give out to people um, uh, so that they've got a, a, an extra checkout discount code. It's um, priced at uh, 395 Australian dollars. Um, there is a currency converter in several spots on the website so that you can translate that into US dollars. I'm not going to give you a translated amount today because it'll be different tomorrow and different the day after that. Um, but uh, it's uh, it's very, um, very reasonably priced for the, the the volume and the quality of the content that's in there. And it's uh, th those uh, subscriptions are then for 12 months. And so if you are purchasing it um, for your uh, for your family, then you've got time for other family members using the same 
um, uh, device uh, to to be able to to use it. We also um, have um, packages available for groups and for corporate and government organisations as well, which can be integrated into their own learning management systems. We can also do presentations in person um, of the masterclass to um, corporate groups and government groups. And um, we have a number of different options available. There's lots of information on the FAQs page of the website at autismmasterclass.com. And there is a wonderful recap that shows all of the incredible participants, supporters, staff, and members and contributors to this incredible course. So you can find this at autismmasterclass.com. And guys, this would be a fabulous Christmas gift to yourself or someone that you love in your life. And to get a special discount, you can use Mind Your Autistic Brain MC. M for master class, MC. Here it is on the screen. Mind Your Autistic Brain MC is the special discount code for the first 50 folks. And some of them have already sold, so there's not a full 50 yet. So go ahead and get, get that. It is a wonderful gift to yourself. It is a wonderful gift to someone that you love this year. So please go check out autismmasterclass.com. I cannot thank you enough for being here today, Rachel. This has just been wonderful. And I love to be able to have you here to share this incredible project and to really honor all of the heart and the work that has gone into this. Thank you thank for being here today. Uh, thank you. It's uh, a pleasure to, to be here and I'm delighted to have you on team. So thanks so much. Absolutely. Everyone, gratitude flows as we come to the end of our special edition episode of Beyond Autistic Burnout today with Rachel Rowe. Thank you for being a part of this empowering journey. I'm Carol Jean Whittington, and I'm inspired by your commitment to growth and restoration. Keep applying these insights to your life. And remember, we're here every step of the way together. Share this podcast and talk show with others who could use a boost of empowerment and let's create a ripple effect of positive change. Until next time, take care, stay energized, and keep thriving.